turn your attention to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. John chapter 4 is about the Samaritan woman meeting her Messiah. A Samaritan woman meeting her Messiah. Jesus left Judea and he was on his way to Galilee but he had to go through Samaria and Jesus here he was ministering during the entire day and uh, I mean half of the day and in the previous night he was in prayer and during the day he was ministering to people and he was so tired and it was uh, noon time I guess sixth hours hour of the day Jesus was coming entering into Samaria and as he was entering he entered to a village by name Sychar and Jesus sat by the well by the side of the well of Jacob and the disciples you know because he was so tired the disciples they decided well, let's go and buy some food for us and for Jesus so they went to buy food. In the meantime, a Samaritan woman came to the well to draw water from the well. So Jesus picked up conversation with this, the Samaritan woman by asking few personal questions, very personal to her life. And also he revealed a couple of truths about who he is. Finally, she realized that he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. And when she realized and you know she was so thrilled and she was so excited and in fact Jesus spoke to her a couple of very strong very astounding truths in her life and over her life now the disciples came back after buying food and when you know the disciples came back the woman was talking to Jesus and now she received what she wanted to receive and she left the water pot there and she went into the city and to tell all men that someone out there he told everything that I did in my life I ever did could this be Christ can you come and see come and see that's what she said then the multitude went out of the city and they all rushed to Lord Jesus Christ you know how this would have been if you want to imagine as Jesus was entering into Samaria after talking to her and she running back to her country telling her men saying that you know probably this was Jesus the Messiah and the whole village is running coming running to Jesus the multitude is coming running to Jesus this morning I want to turn your attention to the conversation Jesus had with his disciples we know the story very well but what about the conversation that Jesus had with his disciples that's what we are going to focus on John chapter 4 verses 31 to 38 let's read that together in the meanwhile his disciples urged him saying rabbi eat they brought the food but Jesus said to them I have food to eat of which you do not know therefore the disciples said to one another has anyone brought him anything to eat Jesus said to them my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work do you not say there are still four months and ten sorry and then comes the harvest behold I say to you lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for the harvest verse 36 
and he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together verse 37 for in this the saying is true one sows and another reaps verse 38 i send you to reap that for which you have not labored others have labored and you have entered into their labor seems to be a very hard topic it seems to be a very theologically sound section of the scripture but this morning we are just going to get into this 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 section of the scripture morning i want to title my sermon as your harvest field can you say that with me your harvest field you know this sermon is for those who are really serious about their relationship with the Lord God. I don't think this sermon is for anyone else, not for everybody. Everyone is not going to appreciate this sermon because if they don't have a proper relationship with God. But this morning, if you have a relationship with your Savior, just hold on to Him. God is going to strengthen you. God is going to speak to you. This morning, this sermon is for you who follow God, not for material blessings. But for spiritual blessings, can I hear an amen in this house? We are not following God for material blessings. We are following God for spiritual blessings. We are the, we are the followers, or we learned so much from the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Even if the fire consumes us, even if it doesn't consume us, we will not serve the statue. We are, not, we are not following God for material blessings. So this sermon is for you. This sermon is for you. If you would like to serve God, all of us would like to serve God. Some of us are still wondering where I do, what I do, how I do, but all of us want to serve God. This sermon is for you. I don't know about your expectation this morning, but I pray that God may speak to you. I want to ask this question, where is your harvest field? Some of us are born Christians. Many of us are. Some of us came into Christianity somewhere along the line. Some of us have experienced 20 years, 30 years following God. I don't know any time, any point of time you thought of this question or whether anyone asked you this question. Where is your harvest field? Where is your harvest field? I want to group these verses, verses 31 to 34, in this way my food my people and my servants can you say that with me my food my people my servants let's read verses 31 to 34 again in the meantime his disciples urged him saying rabbi eat but he said to them i have food to eat of which you do not know therefore the disciples said to one another has anyone brought him anything to eat Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My food. Disciples were worrying about the temporal or the earthly nature of life. It was true that Jesus was very tired. We don't know when he had his, his break, whether he had his breakfast at all or he had his supper. We don't know. He was very tired. Even the disciples the price of following Lord Jesus Christ. They, even they couldn't eat because Jesus didn't eat. They want to eat now. But now, Jesus is talking about my food. So disciples were worrying about the temporal food that is required for all of us. But Jesus was talking about something eternal. 
Jesus was talking about my food. Disciples worry to feed their hungry flesh. But Jesus was concerned about fulfilling his father's desire. You know, this morning it makes a huge difference. Today we see two kinds of people on this earth. People with fleshly desires and people with godly desires. Hello? People with fleshly desires. People with godly desires. Even in our very own life, we see a fight between these two desires, don't you? We see a fight between the fleshly desires and we also see a fight between, uh, you know, between the flesh, these fleshly desires and the godly desires. The desires of the flesh is corrupt. The desires of the flesh is evil. But the desires of God is to live a holy life and to serve God. We see that fight going on day in and day out in our lives. The desire of the flesh and the godly desire. Exactly that's what they are handling right now. Jesus is saying, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. What was that will? What was the will of the father? To seek and to save that which was lost. That was the will of the father. Jesus was on a rescue mission here of rescuing people going to hell. What is the mission of the church today? I believe it's the same mission to seek and to save that which is lost, which was lost. To rescue the people, those who are going into the, towards the eternal hell. It is dangerous at times to satisfy the desires of the flesh. We all tried. We all tried. Here disciples are talking about the food. Food has been dangerous. I want to talk a little bit about food has been dangerous right from the beginning. It easily takes you away from the will of God. Sometimes you may ask, you know, what's wrong with me? Sorry, what's wrong if I eat too much of food? I'm healthy, I'm okay, everything is good. Food has the ability to take you away. I mean, it's not a wrong teaching. It's not a, you know, uh, it's not hypocrisy. It's the right thing. I'll just put it this way. The original sin was around eating the forbidden fruit. Do you remember? It was something to do with eating. The major complaint God's people had when they were going through the wilderness is about food. Numbers chapter 11 verses 4 to 6. I, we read this, I'll read it for you. Who will give us meat to eat? Who, was, who will give us meat to eat? Verse 5 says, we remember the fish they used to fry every day in our country. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. We remember all those things. And they started murmuring against the leadership. Why did you bring, it, bring us to here? All that we get is manna. Who wants this manna? We want the same fish. You know, at times we get, into, we get into many shops and trying to find out whether we get the same fish or not. No, we don't get that fish. Thank God. God brought you to a place you know, not to give you that fish. Food has been a major problem. The Old Testament priest, Eli, Bible says he had grown fat from eating the best portions 
that his sons will forcefully take from people and roast it and give it to Eli, the priest. Food has been a problem everywhere. Food, just for food, Esau lost his birthright. Isaac ended up in wrongly blessing Jacob just for the savor of the food that Rebekah prepared. Food has been the issue even today. If you can get the next slide. The Public Health of Canada has reported that in 2017, 64% of Canadians, I can talk only about Canadians now, 64% of Canadians over the age of 18 are overweight or obese. 64%. Yeah, sure. That's true. Over 30 percentage of children aged 5 to 17 are overweight or obese. You know how much trouble the food makes? Certainly our church needs a health club. There is no doubt about it. How many of you need a health club, you think? Yes? One? Two? Okay, I see two hands at least. I'll come back to you. <laughs> you know, health is important. Food need to be controlled, food intake need to be controlled. It leads to various health conditions. Not only that, but it also makes us to lose the purpose of God. And all the names that I mentioned, they lost the purpose of God in their lives. Because of the craving nature they have towards food. What is that one thing that keeps you away from doing the will of God this morning? I want you to think about that. Jesus was telling the disciples, just wait. It is important for me to eat my own food. It is important for me to do the will of God. That is my food. What is that one thing that is keeping us away from serving God? This morning I want you to think about it. It may not be food, it may be something else. Many times we look at the immediate needs. You know, that's what exactly the disciples are doing. They were just looking at the immediate need. They are hungry. They need to be fed. Some of us are like that. When we are hungry, we are hungry. We cannot do anything. No matter what comes on our way, we will make sure our stomach is full, filled before we even you do we answer I respond to your spouse, maybe. We cannot hold it when we feel hungry. Jesus was tired and hungry, but his priority was not food. His priority was to do the will of God. God is saying that I know your immediate need, but the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. What is that main thing that we need to keep as the main thing? The main thing is not food, not what we need, but to do the will of God. This morning I pray that God may speak to you. It is important that what you need, what is important in the child of God is to do the will of God. And the material things will follow. That's what God says. If you seek me, if you seek the kingdom of God and its righteousness, everything will fall in place. There is no doubt about it. We don't need to pray for it. We don't need to ask for it. We don't, we don't need to go behind anybody. We don't need to go and give our heads to somebody to bless us. The blessing is on our way. If if you take care of the kingdom responsibility that God has given you. Main thing is not food, but to do the will of God. Verse 35, do you not say, there are still four months, and then comes the harvest. 
Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Secondly, we are going to talk about my people. A farmer who does not know when the crops are going to be ready for the harvest is going to lose the harvest. A farmer does not know when to send the reapers into the field is going to lose the harvest. Now they have a, they have a discussion among, between Jesus and disciples. Jesus is saying, you say that there are four months for the harvest. That's what the disciples thought. But Jesus is saying, look at the field. The harvest is already white. The har- you cannot wait for four months because the harvest is already ready. And he's saying, lift up your eyes. When Jesus was talking about his people, at times as his people, as his children, Jesus is also talking about the spiritually unmindfulness. Spiritually, at times we are unmindful, we are ignorant, we are insensitive to the things of God. Listen to me carefully. If we are not careful, we lose the spiritual sensitivity. How many of you know what I'm talking about this morning? If we are not careful, we will lose the spiritual sensitivity. The world out there is very sharp. Listen to me. The world out there is very active. The world out there is very aggressive. But God's people are slow. God's people are dull. God's people are unable to even think. I don't know why this syndrome inside, in, in among the people of God. The world out there is so rich and so fresh, so quick, and they are able to climb onto the positions, even in the government, even in the leadership position. But God's people, as God's children, at times we are so dull. Spiritual insensitivity. We are not sensitive at times towards the spiritual matters. Listen to me. Always spiritual things take the back seat in our lives. Don't you do that? If you check your inbox, how many mails from the church is not even opened yet? I was trying to find out somebody whether you read that mail, that person. No. Always spiritual things take the back seat. The moment we get out of this place, the cares of the world come and choke us. And churches for God and ministries for God. And God wants us to know the time that we are living in. Living today is not like living 20 years before, 30 years before, and 40 years before. We are living in a crucial time. This morning, I want all of your attention now. God wants us to widen our vision. You are saying that I came to North America for a better living and a good settlement. But God is saying, I brought you here to do my purpose, to do my will. You came here because you want to get away from your people. You want to hide yourself. But God is saying, I brought people in front of you. The same people you are trying to hide from, they are seen here right in front of you. You think that I already worked? 20 years, 25 years, I worked and toiled day and night. I want a peaceful life. God is saying, the work is going to only begin. Amen? The work is going to begin now. God is worried about God's people. The vision with which you started following God. Where are those visions today? 
the zeal and the decisions the desire that you had for God the vision with which you came to this nation you prayed about it and you received more word from the Lord and there is so much commitment you made when you came to this nation this morning I want to ask you where are those visions I'm not saying that you are losing that vision I'm here to stir you up I'm here here to put you on the right track where are those visions but God doesn't want you to lose those visions at times we become Sunday Christians at times even not that not even Sunday God is not pleased I believe this morning God brings or God places the right people in the right place for a right time can I hear an amen an out loud amen God places right people in the right place for the right time do not think that you are here by mistake no it's not by mistake Jesus was there at the well at the right time to meet the right person the divine appointments we don't want to lose those divine appointments in your life keep your eyes wide open God will bring the right person in front of you Jesus was getting the disciples ready for a big harvest there but they said it will take another four months and Jesus said open your eyes lift up your eyes and look at the field they are already white they are ready for the harvest do you open your eyes to see your field do I open my eyes to see my field your field is the land that you are living in today your field is the land that God has brought you today Jesus was showing the village of Samaria and asking them to lift up their eyes to see the village of Samaria don't you see the people they are running towards me don't you see them the harvest is already white when God brought you to this nation listen to me detach yourself from your former land and be available for God in the land where God had brought you to so that he can do his will I'll say that again because many of us are tied up still in our own country I'm not saying that you forget your own country you forsake and reject your own country I'm not saying that that's important but God brought you to this nation with a purpose and if you still if you are tied up with your old country from your old family from your old setup God cannot do anything for the very reason why God called Abraham to get out of his place the same calling is over your life to this morning you need to get out of your place the reason why you came out to this nation is for God to fulfill his purpose you need to loosen those ties and be available for God as a farmer as a sower as a reaper in the kingdom of God do we know the condition of the field today field is the people field is the people that we are interacting with every day do not lose your spiritual sensitivity it is very easy when people come to this nation they become insensitive to the Spirit of God to the purpose of God to sow God remember you are not just an immigrant we are not just an immigrant to this nation we are missionaries to Canada amen we are missionaries to Canada 
we are God's ambassadors to Canada. No matter our age doesn't matter, our qualification doesn't matter. If it is true that God brought you to this nation, you have come here not as an immigrant, not to work and earn money. We could have had a, had a better job there. We could have had a better house there. Why didn't why we had to come to this nation? You came to this nation because God brought you here. And when God brought you here, you had all the zeal. Do not lose that zeal. Do not lose by looking at us. Some of us have already lost. Do not lose your zeal. Moment you came through immigration. Moment your passport was stamped at the port of entry. You have stepped into a mission field. Amen. No going back. Your dead body has to be buried in this land. That's the reason God had brought you to this nation. You are the David Livingston of Canada. God brought you for a purpose. How dare you can go away from the purpose of God, saying some silly reasons. God wants you not to lose your spiritual sensitivity. My people, let's move further. Verse 36, and he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. It's a great secret in the scripture. Verse 37, for in this the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. Verse 38, I send you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. Three, number three, my servants. We talked about my food. We talked about my people. Now my servants, sower and reaper we are all called to work in the field of god a child of god is called to do both to sow and to reap to sow and to reap can you say that with me too sow and to reap that's a calling on us the church main responsibility is sowing and reaping we are called as sowers and reapers in the kingdom field, in God's field. Listen to this. Jesus was sitting at a well, talking to the Samaritan woman, and as he was talking, he was sowing the seed in here. Listen. Jesus was not sitting at the well and taking a selfie with the woman. Jesus was not doing that. He was sowing seed inside her. Sowing is a responsibility of a church for all of us. Look at their conversation. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And she said, you being a Jew, how can you ask a Samaritan woman that give me a drink? And Jesus said, if you knew to whom you are asking, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. And then she started talking about the well. The well, you know what, the Jacob, my forefather, Jacob, dug that well. Jesus said, forget him. Forget about your forefather. Listen to me now. And he drank from this well. Some of us are like that. This is the cup that my forefather used. This is his picture, my forefather's pictures. Once they are gone, Bible says there is no good in them. There is no point in keeping them 
and every day looking at them and crying. Forefathers. Some of us consider our forefathers more precious than God. They take, they predominate. They, they take control over your family as long as you keep that picture there in the wall. Remove that picture and put word of God. Let the word of God hang in your walls. Not your father and grandfather's pictures. Thank God for them. They all good. They did good. They served God. They finished their race. That's it. There is nothing 7th day. So I don't know which day. Nothing 30th day. Nothing on 40th day. Just stop those formalities. God hates those things. I don't know where I, where I went there. He started saying that this well is Jacob's well. He drank from it. And like his livestock drank from it. Are you greater than Jacob? Are you greater than Jacob? She's coming to grip with the, coming into grips with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him never thirst again. Then she said, give me the drink. You know, God wants us to sow seed in the lives. Listen to me for a few more minutes. We don't need a stage. We don't need a microphone to sow seed. We need what is known as a relationship. Can you say relationship? We need what is known as friendship. Can you say friendship? We need connection. Can you say connection? We need these kind of things with the people to sow seed in their lives. We need a common place. We need a well. I want to ask, where is your well? Where do you meet people? Do you have a place where you meet people today? Just do not close yourself inside four walls. That's not the purpose that God brought us to his place. We had better churches there. We had better air condition there in our country. Why did we come here? God wants us to meet people in the side of the well. The well can be your house. The well can be Tim Hortons, the coffee house. The well can be your church. The well can be your university. The well can be your workplace. We need to meet people like Samaritan women. That's the objective. Who are desperate for love. Who are desperate for money. Who are desperate to know truth. Who need to be motivated. Who need to be guided. Who need to be encouraged. Who are desperate to come out of their situation. Come out of their addiction. Come out of their bondages. That conversation continued as Jesus revealed himself as the Messiah, the Christ. The woman left her water pot there and she ran into the village and she said, A man told me everything I ever did in my life. Could this be Christ? Come and see. Come and see. You know, I want you to align this, this with your ministry for which God brought you to this nation. This is what the church is called to do. The women started sowing the seed now. The seed was sown into her life. Now she started sowing the seed. She went and testified. She started testifying what she experienced. In verse 39 we read this. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in Jesus because of the word of the women who testified. He told me all that I ever did. Not giving testimony on a Sunday morning. It's not a good practice in fact. You may listen to different things from me, but I want you to think. It's good to praise God, but the testimony resides inside the four walls. 
four walls where your testimony is needed is somebody who is living like a Samaritan woman somebody who is living in in their bondage they need the testimony they are the one they need to come out of their bondage they are the one need they need to be saved share your life experience inviting non-christian friends to your family to your house visiting non-christian families and friends and share your situation invite them into your life invite them into your room in your apartment and tell them share them some of you are doing it i'm so blessed to hear that your testimony that you're able to share your life you may not be able to lead them to christ all of a sudden but you are able to share you have that connection established with them go back and then establish those relationship with the people there are many who are seeking for living water who couldn't be quenched by the thirst by, by, by those things that they have they may be their education their family their relationship nothing could satisfy them the money the wealth and nothing could satisfy them they seek for more they seek for more and that's where you can come and present jesus to them many samaritans came to jesus and listened to him and believed him what do we need to do today about learning this sermon how this story story is relevant to our lives i want to talk a little bit about a little bit of statistics before we get into prayer i want to talk about the diversity of canada the ethnic diversity if you can see the next slides according to 2016 census the next census will be taken when this year 2021 so according to 2016 census more than one in five canadian are foreign born more than one in five canadians are foreign born most of them i mean this part is my addition most of them don't profess their faith in christ more than half of the immigrants in canada would be of asian origin in by 2036 not very far 16 more years god willing some of us are going to be around more than half of the immigrants are from asian countries you can imagine what they are going to bring to this nation what destruction they are going to bring to this nation and you are here today for that purpose over one third of the working age population in 2036 would belong to a visible minority group one third of the working population nearly one in two canadians could be an immigrant or the child of an immigrant by 2020 36 nearly one in two canadians could be an immigrant or a child of an immigrant talking about the first and second generation of immigrants what about the linguistic diversity more than one quarter of the canadian population by 2036 would have a mother tongue other than english or french more than one quarter of the canadian population by 2036 will have a will have a mother tongue other than english or french that simply means there are possibility that more national languages are going to come in place in the coming days it's possible more allophones are people whose mother tongue is neither english or anglophones or french or francophones they are neither of them they have their own mother tongue that's going to bring increased religious diversity into the nation 
And in the midst of all, we have 1.5 generation, our children who came along with us. We have second generation who are born here. We will also have 2.5 generation who are born to our children here in this nation by then. And they could speak mostly only English or French. See the combination. See the complexity that is getting developed around the language. Religious diversity. Diversity is also increasing in terms of religious denomination. The proportion of people with a non-Christian religion would increase between now and 2036. The number of people having non-Christian religion is expected to double from 8% of the population in 2006 to 14% by 2031. The proportion of the population with Christian religion, possibly they say it can decline. The forecast is that Christian can decline. Christianity can decline in the coming days. These are all from Statistics Canada. And some of them, major, in a good amount of them, 17 to 21 percentage, they affiliate themselves with no religion. The proportion and the diversity, or the proportion of the language diversity, just only in Toronto, for your, just for your information, if you can look at the slide, you may not be able to read that fully. The next slide. You'll see Cantonese and Mandarin, the big circle in the, in the middle, two Chinese languages. People, you know, this is what is going to come to all the cities in the coming days. And we see people who are speaking Punjabi language is increasing in number. And I, even I can't read further, so probably you may be able to read. You don't see the mix of lang linguistical diversity, the language diversity. See the distribution of immigrants, those who are coming to na our nation. Right now, if you are, look at the people who are living in Ontario, if, next slide, the nation's coming to our doorstep. These are the nations you know, from where people come to countries like Canada and the United States. What do all these mean to us this morning? Many Samaritans came running to Jesus for their physical and for their spiritual need to be met. Today, many nations are coming to Canada and the United States, obviously for their physical needs. But God has a plan. God has a purpose. And today, you and I are sitting here and watching my sermon this morning because God brought us ahead of time and He has a plan and He has a purpose. Those who are in the process of coming to Canada, I want you to listen to me. God has a plan for you. Because God wants you to participate, you to be part of this mega harvest that Jesus, along with his disciples, are going to experience in the village of Samaria. And God had brought you, and God is still in the process of bringing people to this nation. Because God wants you to be part of this great harvest that is ahead of us. And you need to prepare yourself. I need to prepare myself. And the church has to prepare ourselves. He wants you to open your eyes to see the opportunity. Samaritans coming to you. Verse 35. Jesus said, do not say, there are still four months. Then comes the harvest. Now that scripture makes sense. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. For they are already white for the harvest. 
the way God is preparing this land, the way God prepared the land of Samaria, God is going to do today so that the land is prepared to receive the gospel. He is bringing people from different nations to our doorstep today to listen to the gospel because you know they cannot listen to the gospel if they end up in being there in their own nation. But they, when they come to our nation, when they come here, they are open to the gospel. It's God's plan. It's not man's plan. Before the coming of the Lord, before the kingdom of the man winds up, God wants to fulfill his desire. That's the reason we see the mega move of the people we have been seeing and it is going to increase in number in the coming days because that's the way God is preparing the land. God wants us to sow and reap. It doesn't matter who does what. It doesn't matter who starts another church. Let's start more churches. More churches are needed. We don't have enough church for the number of people we have in this land. We need more churches to start. It doesn't matter where people go. It doesn't matter where people serve God. It's immaterial in the plan of God. We are not worried about that. But we are called to work in his field. And this is your harvest field. We started with the question, where is your harvest field? Harvest field, the land that you are living in today, this is your harvest field. If you sow, it may be a hard work. Sowing is a dirty work. You would have seen sowers. They won't get rewarded immediately. But harvest reapers are doing a better job because they get the reward immediately. God needs both sowers and reapers. It doesn't matter who plants. It doesn't matter who waters. But God gives the increase that's the principle on which a church has to stand it doesn't matter who comes and goes you need to do your job you need to sow and you need to reap if you reap you will get more soul getting added to the kingdom of god not really to the church it doesn't matter both he who sows that's what jesus said both he who sows and he reaps may rejoice together Eventually, we are going to be together in the kingdom of God. Reaper and sower rejoice together. The day Jesus went to Samaria village, the way Jesus went there, God has brought us to this village. And in fact, God brought many nations to our doorstep today. What we need is inland missionaries. Inland missionaries, like Samaritan women, who can do the mission work in their own nation. They don't need to go to a foreign nation now. Because nations are coming. And we can be a missionary even with our full-time work. Still we can be a missionary. Many of the missionaries, they, when they went abroad, they worked. They had printing press. They were still making the shoes and worked as cobblers. They did everything for their living. We do the same thing today for our living. We have a full-time job, but still we can work as a missionary. Previous night she was living in sin. I want you to think about this. Today she carries the precious gospel to the village of Samaria. We need these kind of ministers who can go and get people saved for the kingdom of God. As an encourager, as someone who motivates, as someone who delivers, as someone puts a seed, as someone prays, as someone leads them to Christ, 
We need that kind of missionaries like Samaritan women in this nation. An encounter that she had with Jesus transformed her into a missionary of Samaria. God can use us. Just going to close. Sewing is hard. I was just, just reading this story the other day. It's reading this missionary life that she worked 20 years with a people group in Philippines. Both of them, he and his wife, they had labored diligently to translate Bible into one of their languages. And they worked hard. They taught the word of God. They prayed with them. They met people. They physically, they helped them to build them up. They did everything. And they loved them so deeply heart to heart. They were just completely sold out for the people group in Philippines after they had totally finished the translating the New Testament in their own language. They printed New Testaments. Each precious page was printed and they were all shipped to that village. And later on when they started visiting the villages, they saw these printed booklets, the Bibles, they were all sitting in the shelf. No one had any desire to read the Bible. They were all just sitting in the shelf. After all their long labor, no one is showing interest to read Bible in their known language, how tragic it is, how difficult it is. They left everything. They risked their own lives. And they were dealing with the sinful people in the midst of all the challenges. They were missing their family. Even they were sacrificing their whole life for an unused Bible. That hard it is to sow. Sowing is that hard. But it is rewarding. It is rewarding. You won't see the reward immediately. And someone else, God is going to send somebody to reap the harvest. The harvest would have reaped. For all the Bible that was printed and sent, I believe each Bible would have at least translated into one soul. Somebody would have went and reaped the harvest already. But Bible says, both the sower and the reaper, they are going to rejoice together. Amen. God is calling you to sow and to reap in his kingdom. Shall we all just arise? Do not lose your spiritual sensitivity. Do not ignore people. Look for divine encounters as we meet people. When we meet somebody, let your eyes, as your eyes fixed on him or her, look for a right moment and opportunity. And pray, God will give you the word. That's where your gift has to operate, not inside the church. God will tell you what that life is going through. God will reveal you what the need there is. When you ask that particular need and tell, can I pray for you? You will see their eyes watering. Because God, is, God has given you that gift. Look for those opportunities. Start loving this land. Start loving the people who don't look like you.
Start loving the people whose color is not like our color, who don't speak the same language. Let there be a passion inside of you. Do not hate. Never say that there is racism. There is nothing. It's all the way we take it. For a child of God, there is nothing like a racism. You are called to be taken to any extent for the sake of the gospel. If you say that there is racism, that there is so much of ego inside of you. That's not allowing you to stand whatever you are undergoing. Do not say that. It's the purpose of God. We are willing to lose anything. We are willing to lose our dignity for the sake of the gospel. Just be ready. Just be ready. Open your eyes to see the opportunity God has brought in front of you. Your mission field is not within four walls. Your mission field is outside of the church. Outside the four walls. The land we are living, the land you are immigrating to is your mission field. And God has brought us here as a missionary. We are not just an international student. We are not just a sponsored immigrant. We are not a permanent resident. There is nothing like a permanent resident here. We cannot be here permanently forever. That's wrong usage. There's nothing like a permanent resident. We are here as a missionary to this land. There's no question of turning back, I said. You're called to run your race in this land. Once it's all done, you are getting buried in this land. That is the plan of God. That's the vision of God over your life. This is the call of God upon each one of us.